Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Today we're tackling a topic that may not be one that comes up right on your radar screen when you're speaking about health, but it's critical for all aspects of health. The title of today's show is, Is This the Year You Become the CEO of Your Life? Now, he might be saying, well, boy... Aren't I the CEO of my life already? Well, to help us flesh out this dialogue and to give us some amazing insights is Bill Woodich. Bill, I'm so glad you're with us today. Thank you very much for inviting me on the show, David. Bill, you are not a stranger to folks that uh, know people in the motivational speaking front, uh, in the, the writing world. You're getting materials out there that are really helping people really connect with some of the, what some people are calling it a positive psychology movement, self-actualization. Tell us, Bill, a little bit about your background before we jump into today, today's topic. Well, David, I came out of what I like to say now affectionately, the, uh, the carpet-laden forest of, of western Pennsylvania, a small town of about 2,800 people. And, and I was always uh, a rebel inside. I had this, this gene, I, I like to say now, that but if someone told me to go right, I'd, I'd probably try to go left. Hmm. So a lot of my friends went on to college after school. They had the opportunity to go. And we, we couldn't afford it at that time. It was a, a, a kind of a meager, a very poor background. And, and I went off to, to a factory. And part of that was by my own choice. I said, I want to go to a factory, hang out with my friends, uh, go to the local watering holes and just you know, spend time with them, and that's the rest of my life. Well, it was a foreclosed future. Because after about nine months of doing that, I started thinking of a way out. Mm. Uh, I, I didn't see this as the rest of my life. I had this deep feeling in my gut, this, this, this ang- almost a, an angst in my gut that said, is this all there is for the rest of your life? And I, I got the opportunity. I was, I was called into the garage uh, by my parents, and, and they had found a way to send me to school, and I never looked back, and I kept going forward. And, and that's the name of, uh, of, of the book, and it's really my guiding mantra is, is always forward. So from there to the beaches of Southern California, it, it really was an expression of what I believed in, uh, my belief in self, and, and the people who supported me, because we all need allies and advocates in our journey. Well, I mean, it's a great story, Bill, because it doesn't matter who's tuning in today, whether someone is uh, currently in a blue-collar position, white-collar, whether they're unemployed, whether they're working in the private sector or public sector, really all of us... I think, you know, it's easy to make the case we have a lot of untapped potential, and that's true whether we look at it from a spiritual perspective, whether we believe in a great spirit or a God who's called us to accomplish great things, or whether we're just saying, hey, we're human beings with uh, capacities that often are underutilized. That's really your life story, isn't it? It is, and and let's start with one word that people throw about and people measure, I think, externally. Uh, Let's really examine the word success because they talk about a successful life. Hmm. And and what is a successful life? Well, I think the meaning of life, David, is to live life, to enjoy life, and to be the very best representation that you can be. And I think that's the key is to define success in your own terms. 
And, and to me, it's the realization uh, of a worthy endeavor. I define that. It's not defined by the external, what I have, what I think I own, because all that can be taken from you. But what I, what I must keep in alignment is, is, are those things that are important to me, my values. Um, how do I treat others? Uh, do I keep my self-respect or do I give that away? Do I bargain mm-hmm. that away on the altar of I think I'm successful? And I think that's part of an important life is knowing who you are, really knowing who you are, and having the strength to follow and the character, the character that manifests who you are at your very core. Well, it brings us back to this uh, initial question. It's the title of our show. Is this the year you become the CEO of your life? And I, I posed the question at the beginning of the broadcast, Bill. Wouldn't most people think they are the CEOs of their own lives? Well, I think there's, there's a thought, and then there's the action that corresponds to the thought. So if we have the thought that we are, and we're, act, we're acting in concert, consistent with that thought, and really taking the steps to become the CEO of our life, then the answer, the answer is going to be yes. But I think that as we understand what CEO means, that means you're in charge. You know, you, your goal is to provide and make, make the profit for shareholders. As the CEO of your life, you are the company. You are the shareholders in that company. You work for yourself. The more skills and talents that you acquire, the more that you can refine, the more value you can create for yourself and the franchise that is you. You know, even if you work for another person, you're still the CEO of your life. It is up to you to find a way and make a way. And the people who are determined to create the very best in their career and life, and not only think it, but are willing to pay the price of success, willing to pay the cost every day, those are the ones that strengthen their franchise. And here's the short answer to your question about is this the year. Is this the year? Well, if not this year, when? Hmm. You know, what I appreciate about the dialogue so far, and I know some folks listening in, they don't have the background that you and I have because we've dialogued some, I've read some of your stuff, and I know the temptation is because I've got folks listening to this show right now as it's airing, they're in Indian country, they're on the reservation, they are a tribal council person, they're in some tribal leadership position, and they're saying, I mean, this sounds like a too, well, too much of an eye-focused message. I'm, I'm here for my tribe. I'm here for my people. I'm, I'm here to give back. I've got a lot of people that listen on uh, many of the stations that air the show. They're on Christian networks. They're saying, this isn't about me. It's about living for God. It's about service. But you're not saying anything against that. You're, you're talking about these worthy endeavors, whether it's on a tribal level, whether it's a spiritual level. And you're saying, if you want to really be a part of a worthy endeavor, you have got to be able to give it as much as you can. Am, am I reading right into the kind of material you're putting out there, Bill? You are underscoring and, and spot right on with that. Spot on. So, so let's talk about this from that background, because we're not talking about just you being successful. We're talking about really using our, whether we call them God-given talents, our natural abilities, however we want to define it, and channeling those into those worthy endeavors. And and I just got to stop here because you're not just talking about this. You're really doing it. You're doing something different than most of the authors that I have on my show. Tell us about your current book and where the profits from that book are going. Well, Always Forward, the profits for Always Forward are, are designated. My proceeds go to the Intrepid Fallen Heroes Fund. 
and I've vetted a, a number of places to, to try to contribute in my way, in my very small way, uh, to the greater good. And the Intrepid Fallen Heroes Fund serves the United States military personnel uh, and their families, those soldiers who were killed, wounded, or injured in the service to our nation. And uh, it makes me, it gives me a great lift to be able to do that. Well, and, and and I just want to commend you for doing that because this show is not even though we're it's it's kind of an interesting irony I think from the very beginning of the show we're talking in a sense about a person's individual brand and I know when we use that language it sounds like it's it's all me focused but but here's the guy talking about it he, you're, he's spending the next hour with us on this show and he's not a guy who's on to Bill Woodich he's saying how can I take the talents I've got and make a difference, and one of those ways you're making a difference is through the Intrepid Fallen Heroes Fund. So our, our hats are off to you, Bill, for uh, for really modeling what you're talking to us about. Thank you. So, Bill, you talk in your books and in your, your speeches about four pillars. Help us see that and why that's important. The four pillars, and, and this is when I talk about the I, I learned a long time ago because I've always been a person who wants to share, who, who, who believes in, in collaboration and is a, a, a we person as opposed to an I person first. And I think that a client a long time ago pulled me aside and said, you know what, you do all these things for other people, you do all these things for, for others, but you've got to be able to take care of your best client first, and that's you. So when I'm talking about building that successful franchise, if you, for you to be there, for the people you love, for the people you care about, for the people that you mentor, you have to take care of yourself. And one of the ways to take care of yourself is to understand that I think there are four pillars, four pillars that anchor you. And think of a house. Think of a house. If a pillar, and one is 10 feet tall, and, and that might be the, the physical pillar. So people care about their looks, and they care about their health. Mm-hmm. But they're so obsessed with those things that all they do maybe is pull a lot toward that pillar and they never really are able to grow the emotional one, mm. which let's say that one's maybe six feet high. Well, all of a sudden you're going to have a, a, a platform that's out of alignment because that platform that, that, that is your house that you're able to build upon is going to be out of alignment. Mm-hmm. The emotional care we can extend to others. You know, man needs to be admired. Woman needs to be cherished. We need to be able to grow and feel that emotional care and support. And I think we have to grow the intellectual pillar. That's what people recognize as, as talent and skill in the workplace, what you think, how you are on a quest to learn no matter what. Let's learn. What you apply, well, where you find value, you apply. But you can have a conversation with other, others and understand them. And I think spiritually, we have to believe in a greater purpose, something much greater than us, some overarching protective mechanism that holds our values in place. It's right or it's wrong. There's no gray. And if we're acting this way with our pillars in alignment, working on everyone, our health, our our curiosity, the intellect, the emotional feel, and the spiritual belief in something greater, if we can do that, it protects our values. Mm -hmm. And that is what people feel as being a person of, of honor, a person who exhibits character, a person who is in alignment with what they say and then what they do. I mean, I appreciate the model so much, and I really love that uh, analogy that you give us because, I mean, it's so apropos. So often people that are strong in one area 
are weak in another, and you're really making a very eloquent argument for a balanced life. Balanced life. And think about this. When you encounter another person, you have a feel. And because people are emotional beings who, who really feel off emotion first before they ever bring logic into the room. Hmm. And, and this, is, this is the way people view other people. If you can have that connection, and, and not everyone's going to like me when I show up, and that has less to do with me at that particular time and more to do with whatever they experienced in their subconscious or from some other place that they bring forward. So I think if you're standing there in front of a person or next to a person, you're able to converse because you have an intellectual curiosity and maybe it, it's something that they have a curiosity in. And then you can actually feel and be open to learning from them before you try, you try to enroll your message. Man, that's, to me, the essence of a first connection. Hmm. That, that, is a, that is a powerful insight because so many times we've got our own agendas that we're so focused on that we lose sight of other individuals, don't we? Yes. Good point on agenda. Uh, great point, which is something that, that I try to teach in the company that I've been um, building for, with others for 22 and a half years. And I always say this. I say, David, I don't own this company. It owns me. And I don't have uh, employees. I am the employee. Uh, that, that liberated me. But you have to understand the, other, the other's agenda and motive. And these people who work in this company don't work for me. They work for themselves. Hmm. I understand that. So I'm trying to bring their agenda and motive in line with the customer. I'm not trying to do it from the customer in. That was the old school. So what I'm trying to do is to understand agenda and motive. And you often could ask for it, but you, you, you have to really experience that. And I think you experience that by association. But agenda and motive are the keys, I think, to understanding human nature. Well, we've got a great show, and it's, uh, it's off to a great start. We're talking about the topic, Is This the Year You Become the CEO of Your Life? My guest is Bill Woodich. You've heard a little bit about Bill's background, how he uh, really didn't seem to have much aspiration, at least initially, to get uh, further education. In our next segment, we're going to talk about how he uh, not only got a bachelor's degree, then went on and got a master's degree, and now is heading up a couple of corporations, but how he's taking those lessons that he's learned in uh, leading organizations, really bringing them back to individuals. So in our next segment, Bill is going to actually walk you through a number of very practical things that you can do that really can help you just take the reins of your life this year, make a difference, really become all you can so that you can give back, whether it's on a tribal level, whether it's in your family, whether it's a church or other faith community. A lot more great material coming up on today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. 
Emergency medical unit, respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke. If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. Dr. David DeRose, we're speaking to Bill Woodich. Bill is walking us through, I think, some very practical material that can make a difference as far as your whole person health. And uh, as Bill's been talking with us, some of you are still wanting to get a better feel for who my guest is. Bill, you shared with us a little bit about your background in the first segment, kind of small-town guy from Pennsylvania, ended up in a factory looking like that might be your career for all of about nine months, and then doors opened up for you to get further education. Where did things go from there? Well, when I first entered school, I had to do something that was, that was the most daunting and challenging thing. and I had to learn how to learn because I was basically a goofball all the way through high school. So I had to undress myself and learn how to learn. I had to say, this, you're not this person that you think you are. You have to learn to learn. So that was the first thing. And I think what really helped and what could help the listeners is this. I think fear is something that can fuel us and be a, a driving force for us to go forward. If we have enough pain in our past, I think that can create some of the fuel to go forward. Hmm. Some people are stopped by that. They're stymied by that, and they blame their past condition and say, I can't move forward because this is where I'm from or this is what I've been through, and I can't do that. Well, if you don't take those steps through fear, if you don't face your present, you will never have a future, and you have to be able to understand the lessons of the past and move through it. So from school, I learned, I stayed up till 4 in the morning, 5 in the morning. Everybody else at this Big Ten school was out partying, and I had to have the discipline for the first time in my life and the responsibility to say, I'm not going back where I was. I must make it, and I did whatever it took, and that's how I started to move my way through school. So basically, you're actually learning, if you will, new values, uh, new ways of uh, of being successful, if you will, maybe maybe we don't want to use that uh, word, but uh, you're really 
finding your way in a very different environment than you were comfortable with. Is that safe to say? Well, I think the key word is comfort. Uh, I think that so many of us at a certain point, we reach that, that boundary of comfort and we think it's good enough. And at that point, that's where life is always forward. Life doesn't support stasis or standing still. You've got to be uncomfortable to make any kind of change in your life that's going to be worthy. I believe that to my core. So learning to learn was the biggest the biggest value to me. I had to actually open books. I didn't know any word over three letters, and I, I sure as heck could barely spell. But I learned how to do it, and I kept applying those lessons from those books, from the great thinkers. And I used to think, and then I used to do. And I think that's the key, David, the ability to take something that you learn and make it work for you. And the one thing I learned from my parents that I carry forward to this day, you got to do the work. No, if someone gives you an opportunity, it's generally a gift. You have to see, seize, and create your own opportunity. I think it's done from the environment. I think it's done from being aware. And I think we can do it. We can do it if we have the discipline to follow through on what we think. Well, I mean, I really appreciate what you're sharing about higher education. We've had a number of guests on the show who come from Native American backgrounds, many of them have shared the challenge, especially for our listenership that is reservation-based. We have, of course, many urban Indians that listen and many people who are not of Native American background. But for those who are raised on a reservation, very uh, close-knit community, many times depending on, on the size of the reservation, and it can be a very difficult hurdle, just like you experienced going from a rural environment to a college or university campus, in your case, you know, one of these expansive cities of education, if you will, to use that metaphor. And it's easy to get lost, but you kind of kept focused by saying, I'm here for a reason, and even though it may not be comfortable, even though this is not what I'm used to, I'm going to give it my all. If the listener takes nothing away from this except this one thing, take this, and I'm going to get right inside the deepest, deepest voice of me. Don't ever, ever discount yourself. Believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, others will never believe in you. Mm. And I coach and mentor that, but that has to come from within. That's the fire of you. Don't give away your self-respect to another because you think you're from someplace else and they, they breathe some sort of rarefied air off this planet that you're not worthy of doing. No. Everybody puts their pants on or whatever kind of clothing on the same way every day. We all have the same bathroom habits. No one deserves anything greater than you. You can make that happen for yourself if you do the work and you put yourself in position to take those risks and move forward. I absolutely, to my core, believe that. Well, and the other great part of your message, Bill, is some, a lot of people could say what you're saying right now, and they could say, yeah, it's easy for that guy to say it because he came from a good background. I didn't have the kind of education. I didn't have the advantages. But you're telling us you're one of those guys. You're one of those people that if you just looked at your background, a lot of people would say, where should this guy go? Professional school, uh, you know, higher education or uh, you know, manual labor? factory work, whatever. And by the way, those those terms are not disparaging in my book. I'm, I'm sure glad we've got people with talents in all those areas. But a lot of people would, would have pegged you for someone who couldn't make it in higher education. Am I reading into your story enough? I think you've read my book. 99% of the people who would have met me during that period would have consigned me to the military or to a to manual labor, which, again, not disparaging because my, my family was involved in, in, in that. And I think that was, you know, no one could ever foresee anything beyond that. And I, 
And, and that was part of the fear base of that family. Because after Purdue, after I went to undergrad, I wanted to keep going. I, then I was hungry for education because I, I saw the doors that had opened in my own mind. I saw the door, how I felt just because I was improving. I think people need to improve every day. We feel good when we do something positive. Every day, if we can win something inside that just makes us better than the outside, that's the key. So I wanted to go right back to school, and my family said, no, 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 no. Uh, spend some time. You, gotta, now you, you can wear a suit now. Uh, you have a tie that your brother has to tie for you because you still can't tie a tie. But, but you get to go to, to work with a suit. You've made it. And, and inside of me, I said, now there's got to be something next. And I went on to uh, to grad school from there, and more doors opened up after that. So now, Bill, you did, if I remember correctly, a psychology undergraduate degree, right? Yes. And then what did you go on and do your master's in? My master's degree in public administration. Specifically, I wanted to be a manager, uh, a city manager for a city or for a town. So is that what you're doing right now? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. This is the funny thing. I, I went to school to be a, quote, manager, and I thought that was a whole other level of, uh, of business. And I, I, my brother was uh, in Richmond, Virginia, and he was in a professional environment. And he said, well, you know, your, your dream is to move to California. Now, I had never, I didn't know what California was. Uh-huh. When I was a kid, I, you know, I saw it on television, and it looked great. You know, I was in snow up to my hips. I was <laughs> They got a snow for nine months a year. You know, we had always bailing hay and building barns for people and doing fence posts and all the character building stuff we had to do, right? So I went to California doing a Rose Bowl, a football game. And I thought, oh, I want to go to California. So I said, I'm going to California. He said, mm, you probably should get a job first. You can stay with me. So our family's very tight this way. Uh-huh. He had a one-bedroom, put two bunk beds in there. And uh, there we are, you know, still looking at each other. And I, I'm, I think now, hey, I deserve three months off. So I'm laying around on the couch, and I'm not doing anything. He said, look, you need to go get a job. So I went and interviewed, and people said sales. And I said, no way. I'm not doing sales. I, I can't stand that stuff. I, I don't want to go. I went to school to be a manager. And they said sales, and I said no. And I needed a job. So I had a first sales job at the biggest company in what they did. And uh, I was this brash guy who walked in saying, I want to be a manager. And they said, here's your desk. Here's your bullpen. Here's your phone start calling people. And, and that's how it all started in sales. And I, I flipped sales from uh, the way I always understood it to something very different, to more of enrollment, to more of meeting with people, engaging with people, and letting them make the best decision based on every option that I knew. So I didn't try to sell them. I, I, I really believed in the, in the product. I believed that I was the product, that I could make these things happen for them because I wanted to make their life better, and it resonated with them. It, it just did. Well, maybe an illustration of this, a fellow that I worked with some years ago, we were working in a health institution. It was a, a residential facility. People would come, and they'd live in our facility for typically several weeks, intensive programs to change their lifestyle, get off medications, whatever. And so there was a, a considerable uh, cost to it. Insurance didn't cover much of it. And I remember one woman came through with her husband, and she was telling me how much she appreciated the fellow on the phone who helped her make a decision to come with her husband. And so here I'm thinking, well, hey, you know, from the the world of sales, you would say this guy sold this woman on the program, got her to spend a bunch of money to come to this health center. 
But she wasn't looking at that at it that way. She wasn't saying she was saying this guy helped me. He changed my life. I needed to be here for my husband. This is a life changing experience. So I kind of hear that same dynamic. We're not trying to sell something to people that they don't need. If you're working for a company, if you're working for a tribe, if you're working for an entity that you believe in, uh, the sales function or the marketing functions, these are important uh, core values in a sense, aren't they? They are. And I, that's working for a greater and from a greater purpose. And people feel that if it's authentic. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to the pillars. That's where your value is housed. And, you know, people smell three things on you. They, they smell fear desperation and greed, and and they don't want to partner with that. Mm. But when you come across and really are true and authentic, that's, I think, the key to being genuine, having a conviction that's felt by others, and a character that they can associate with, because people need to hear and need to know that you care about them before Mm -hmm. they ever care about what Mm -hmm. you know. Tremendous stuff, Bill. we got to step away. We're going to be back with more from Bill Woodich, talking about how you can be the CEO of your life, how you can make more of a difference in the things that you value and care about. We will be back with information about Bill's resources that you can get as well. Stay tuned. I'm Dr. DeRose. We will be right back. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's prerecorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. So, you want to be a hero. Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke. Sudden weakness on one side or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So whether it's around your neighborhood or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute since 1936. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live united. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give, advocate, volunteer, live united. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Diabetes affects more than 29 million Americans. If left untreated, diabetes can lead to serious health problems such as heart disease, stroke, blindness, and kidney disease. Your family's health history can be an important factor in determining your risk of developing diabetes. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you and your family. Do all you can to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. Visit yourdiabetesinfo.org to learn more. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. 
Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with Dr. David DeRose and with Bill Woodich, the show American Indian Living. The topic today is this the year you become the CEO of your life. And I know some of you, you're still trying to connect all the dots. Bill has got a lot more great information that's going to come up in this show. And you're going to hear some amazing aspects to his story because I know it. You're going to really enjoy this. But before we get back to you, Bill, and your wisdom and insights, there's folks that are going to want more than we're going to be able to give them on today's show. How do people connect with you and your organization? BillWoodich.com, W-O-O-D-I-T-C-H, one word, BillWoodich.com. And on Twitter, you can at BillWoodich, and that's W-O-O-D-I-T-C-H. So, Bill, on your website, if someone wants to get your book, Always Forward, is it easy to do right there? We're going to offer free downloads of the book uh, through the website. So you can do audible downloads. The book is available also. It's a uh, bestseller on Kindle in two categories, sales and sales techniques. Uh, But it's a philosophy book as much as, as it is a book about overcoming fear and steps forward to make a difference in your life. So yes, you can, you can get them off the, off the website and you can, see some of my live performance when I, I'm out running around trying to change lives and win hearts and minds. Okay, tremendous. So it's BillWoodich.com. It's W-O-O-D-I-T-C-H, BillWoodich.com. If you want to get more information about Bill, his books, so there's free stuff on the website, so take advantage of that. i got to make a note of that, Bill, because I am not. You know, I'm, can only do so many things at once, but I, I definitely want to take advantage of some of those audio downloads because I don't, I don't have those yet. Well, Bill, let's come back to your story because your story is powerful. You come from these very humble roots. A lot of my listeners, whether they're in the heart of Indian country, whether they got no Native background at all, they're saying, I can relate to this. Now, there's others that come from different walks of life, but we're going to get there too because you get this strong educational training. You find along the road that you've got some abilities in the sales realm, but did you find that that was just uh, something you weren't cut out for? Did you get discouraged with the sales and find that you weren't cut out for it? Well, you know, what happened was they, they sent me, the company was Liberty Mutual, and it was a great training school for what we did, for corporate insurance, for selling to businesses, and they have to buy the product, the variables from whom do they buy. Mm-hmm. So they, they sent me to nine months of, of training. And, and the one thing that's very difficult for a rebel at heart, which is me, is to be trained in a certain way because I have my own way and style in it. Mm-hmm. I really don't know unless I'm in the room what I'm going to say or do next. I just don't know. There's no set formula for me. <laughs> but they sat me with these formulas, so I was I was trying to push their program and sell in, in a very, very poor section of Richmond, Virginia, in a very small floral shops. And, and I was bringing brochures to people, and they didn't care about that. Mm-hmm. So I lost my first 13. No, I didn't get disheartened. Uh, what I did was I was getting better. I was learning how to win. And what I did is get out of this oxidized brown station wagon that my mother gave me for a car. And I used to park this car later next to Rolls-Royce and, and 20-year relationships that people had with their broker partners. And I used to walk in with that one suit, corduroy, that one tie my brother tied for me. And my managers said they buy from you because they feel sorry for you. <laughs> well, the reason I think they started to buy from me is I left the brochures in the car. I started talking with people as people, and all of a sudden things started happening. I told management, and this may, maybe sounds a bit egotistical, but I made a proclamation. 
I'm going to be your number one salesperson in this company, which was 16,000 employees, and I'm going to do it in two years. And they said, you know what? I should probably fire you because you're ignorant. You're definitely arrogant. In two years, I was their top salesperson. Wow. And, and the key to that is I had self-belief, and I did it my way. Hmm. So basically, you had to take that role of being the CEO of your own life. You couldn't let other people dictate to you how you had to kind of micromanage your life, if you will. Other people will dictate their limits to you. Other people will dictate their fears to you. If you live them as yours, you will own them as your reality. And your reality can never expand further than your most limiting fear. Can not, will not. And I'll tell you, I came from a disciplined military father and a mother who was a compassionate registered nurse. Combined household income was in the single digits, maybe $9,000 a year. We weren't, we might have been poor, but we didn't know poverty because we had our family unit. Mm-hmm. Something inside of me always wanted something outside of those walls. And I wanted to go out and create. After, after Liberty Mutual, I wanted my next challenge. So I was recruited by the sixth largest broker of what they, and what we did in the world. Walked in with the same thing, said, hey, in three years, it took me an extra year. In three years, I'm going to be your number one salesperson. They said, good luck. Well, in three years, I was the top salesperson, and I was the top salesperson for two years in a row. What I was chasing was fear. I was chasing my need to be validated. I was chasing my need to see how good I was. And after I did it, after all the money, the cars, the houses, it was empty. It was mm-hmm. empty. And I'm tired. no one's going to feel sorry for me, but it was empty. So I took some time off just got away from it all, and I thought, what do I want to do? Do I still want to do this? Am I needed out there? Do people still need me, and how would I do it differently? I started my own company, and I started it with a different premise. I was going to build a place for people so people could develop themselves. You can't develop a person. A person has to develop themselves. They have to use those four pillars. They have to see things with as much clarity as they can. They have to look inside. They have to look inside and say, who am I? They have to be true to what they find through every action, every interaction. So that, my greatest satisfaction is seeing the people come through here and stay here and grow and are able to expand lifestyles, families, how they support schools and make make society better because of one person's idea and one person's willingness to step through fear and make a difference for themselves. Well, Bill, I mean, you're a powerful example of what we're talking about on the show today. You basically, as you and I have talked off air, your focus during those years where you were setting records as a top salesman, your focus was really on yourself, wasn't it? Yes, very much. And you saw that that really ended up in a situation where at least on an emotional level or meaning and purpose level, spiritual level, however we wanted to define it, you were uh, you weren't really balanced, were you? I was completely fractured and extremely out of balance because the spiritual level and that emotional level, there'll be an emptiness there because you're only measuring things externally and you're only measuring things on a score sheet and there's always someone with more. So if you're only validating or saying, you know, look at who I am based on my ego, eventually that external is going to fall. And what it does, you fall with it if that's all you're attached to. At the end of the day, what's most important is to live a life, for me, of happiness 
And happiness is found when I'm in alignment and living in alignment with my four pillars. Well, for those who just jumped into the show, they just, you know, they're, they're interested. Four pillars, what are they? Uh, we, we shared them earlier in the show, but give those to us one more time. There's an intellectual pillar, a pillar of the mind, a pillar of thought, where we're learning skills, where we're learning to talk with people, where we're learning to get our message across, where we're learning to be understood, where we can grow in a relationship by talking through things, by being able to converse and grow together intellectually. There's also an emotional pillar. And I think if you think of these pillars uh, being like platforms or, or support stations for us, for a house where one could be 9, 10, 12 feet high. Maybe that's the intellectual. And maybe we don't have enough emotional care for others that we can extend or for ourselves. That could only be 8, maybe 8, 6 feet high. Well, all of a sudden, you know, the house is going to be it's going to fracture. There's going to be a fissure. And eventually it's going to collapse because we're just out of whack. Hmm. Then the spiritual, the, the overarching belief that there's something greater, something greater than us, a purpose, our values, right from wrong, our moral obligation to the self. Uh, it's related to our spirit, to our beliefs. You know, that that's, I, I, I think, the most important pillar. And then the physical. You know, a lot of times, let's just talk about relationships. We look at someone there's an attraction, and everything builds to that physical pillar. We, we look at our health, we look at our bodies, we want to take care of ourselves or we don't. And, and so much is drawn toward the physical because that's what people see first. Well, that could be way out of alignment, either up or down. So we have to grow our physical pillar, intellectual pillar, emotional and spiritual, and they have to grow together. They won't always be able to grow together, but we always are, I think, under construction. We are always a work in process and progress. Life will not support us staying the same. It will take us back. Mm. You know, Bill, we've been talking about this from the standpoint of what each of us can achieve how we can give back, how we can make a difference to the causes that are important to us. You've got a book out called Always Forward. It's crystallizing a lot of the very things we're speaking about on today's show. And we mentioned earlier in the program that it's uh, really the book is all about you giving back. You're trying to share things, and you're not making a penny off this book. Am I understanding that right, or am I twisting the facts? You haven't twisted anything. I am not making a penny off the book. I am very happily taking all of my proceeds, and they go to the Intrepid Fallen Heroes Fund, which supports the U.S. military personnel that were killed, wounded, or injured, and their families to get them back uh, to a more normal uh, civilian life. So Always Forward is the book. Bill Woodich, the author, is speaking with us. His website, BillWoodich.com. Bill, we don't have a lot more time in this segment, but we've got to start talking about this because you and I have both worked in a variety of organizations and many times it seems like the organizations I've worked in, not all of them, I mean, I've worked under some great people in leadership, but I've also worked under people in leadership who seemed like they were largely operating from fear. I mean, they're running organizations or they're running a department or they're, they're in a position where a lot of people are reporting to them, and yet it seems like they are fear-based in their management style. Is this just something unusual about physicians and where they end up working, or is this a common problem? This is usually found in the leader's or the manager's mirror. The problem usually is one of ego, and fear is a control issue. So the manager, let's just take manager or leader, will promote a fear-based environment either knowingly or unknowingly by the need to be right, 
so I think that what I've learned by doing things and learning through mentors and, and, and then making some of these mistakes myself, power, power is something that is finite. It's limited. You can use it. Do this. Do this. Do this or else. For a while. Eventually, people, you lose their hearts. Mm. You lose their minds. And the bodies are next out the door. But once you lose hearts and minds, they're already gone. Power is something that's finite. You have to be very careful about using power. Authority. We must do this. We have to conquer this. We have to do this. It's situational. So use your authority as a leader situationally, but influence is the key. Influence is mm. exponential. If people, if people know you walk that walk, and you, it's the same as your talk, and everything is consistent, and you're trying to do the best for them by putting them in positions to win, influence is going to win it. Fear-based is ego, and ego not wanting to be questioned, and ego feeling threatened. And as an owner of a company or the leader of a company, you need followers, and you only have followers if they really believe in your message. Other than that, you just have people who are collecting a paycheck. Leave your ego at the door. Promote, promote an environment that does not have fear as its driving, motivating factor. Wow, powerful stuff, Bill. We've got to come back. We've got one more segment with Bill Woodich. I'm enjoying this uh, interview. I'm sure you are. Lots of practical stuff. We will be back with one final segment on today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz. It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand. And someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. 
You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with Dr. David DeRose for our final segment of today's edition of American Indian Living. My guest, Bill Woodich. Bill has been sharing with us his own journey, basically from very, very humble uh, background, someone you wouldn't think would be destined to be a leading salesperson in uh, uh, some of the most major corporations in the insurance industry that he's worked in. Bill, you've got your own company right now. Tell us a little bit about actually the two companies that you're CEO of. Well, the Woodage Group is the extension of my insurance beginnings, and we're a, we are a corporate risk management and insurance brokerage firm. So what we do is to place coverage for clients. We are the middlemen for clients between the carriers that their household names, perhaps like a fireman's fund or an AIG. Uh, they have to buy our, through our distribution system. They don't have to buy us, but we are that partner. So that's that's. The first arm and the next arm is my my new life, uh, the platform of speaking and, and attempting to not let the music die within me, getting out, writing books, and just sharing with people and doing as much as I can to contribute to the betterment of the whole. And, and that's Think Next, Act Now. Think Next, Act Now is that learning platform for people to develop their skill sets, to move forward through fear, and to just change something for the betterment of their lives and the lives of others. Well, Bill, you have got a lot of experience, a lot of wisdom. I've been enjoying what you've been sharing, and I'm sure some of my listeners, especially if they've got a background at all like mine, like yours, they've worked under people who seem to be driven by fear. They seem to be threatened if uh, the people around them, the people who are reporting to them, uh, were too creative or were moving in a direction that they uh, felt they couldn't harness. And... We're saying, yeah, I mean, I've seen that. I've, I've worked with other people who just celebrated that and helped nurture people, very much like what I understand is happening in the Woodage Group on your end. So what about folks that are just resonating with this message? They say, we need to get Bill out to our environment. Is that something they can do through your website as well? Absolutely. They can reach me at, at either website, and I would be happy. I would be overjoyed to help in any way I could. www woodich.com w-o-o-d-i-t-c-h is the is the company that is risk management and insurance and my speaking forum is bill woodich at woodich.com w-o-o-d-i-t-c-h i'm on linkedin uh, under bill woodich and i'm at bill woodich on twitter and i respond directly to any inquiry and it's been quite the endeavor lately so uh, i'm actually feel my purpose and it's flourishing right now well, and I'll just as a testimony to that, I was trying to get you booked for the show, and I know you're working with a, a publicist, and we had a hard time because between my travels and yours, it seems like you're all over the country doing TV interviews and lectures, so we're just glad we actually found some time. We're both in the state of California. You're in your home uh, environment and, my, and me in my studio where we could actually do a program. I want to leave you with, with one thought, you know, and I think this is, this is the, the very key thought that I think writers fear leaving the better book in their heads. And, you know, you have to ask yourself, I think, that will your best possible life fill the pages of the book that you're writing as the CEO of your life, the book you're writing every day through what you do, what you think, who you, who you can affect by what you think and what you do? 
Every day, you are writing the story of your life. Your thoughts and words are the ink. Your actions are the pages that people experience. The time is now. The time is now to answer that first question. Is this the year? Yes, the time is now to become the CEO of your life. Create and change your life. When you change your life by evolving, you will change the lives of others. And don't fear to begin. Fear the future regret of failing to embark. You know, I appreciate you bringing us back to the theme in that very practical way, Bill, because your story has been illustrating that. You've been sharing with us really a book, if you will. I hadn't been thinking about it that way. We're not talking about a biography of Bill Woodich, but your life story is what gives credibility to the message that you're sharing. It's why we can relate to what you're talking about. And I think for every one of us to think that whether we ever write a book like Always Forward or anything else, we are, in a sense, uh, as uh, one wise man of old said, we are epistles or, or letters known and read of men. Bill, we've talked off air about some other things that I really wanted us to touch on before our time slips away. We talked about some of these pitfalls. Uh, one of them is fear. But as far as achieving your potential, there's some other pitfalls that we've got to discuss, don't we? Yes. So we're, we talk about fear as our first and foremost obstacle, but you, you know, this is going to sound almost counterintuitive, but one of the pitfalls that we have is a little bit of success leads to a whole lot of complacency. Hmm. A little bit of success can lead to a whole lot of complacency, and I've seen that. And I want you to think about this, the, the listener, to just, just walk through this with me. I have watched and I've experienced that I'm working with some high achievers who started with a story very similar to mine, okay. coming from very different backgrounds, perhaps different parts of the country or perhaps international, and coming in here with nothing, literally nothing, and working on a desk to start and maybe customer service and working their way through and, and getting to, to a point of sale and being able to sell. And then they start to make it. Now, they were very dangerous to the competition and very beneficial to themselves because they, they had nothing to lose then. See, when I started and when they started, they had nothing to lose. They burned their boats. That means in Greek mythology, when the Greeks attacked an island, they burned their boats behind them, so there was only one way, always forward. There was no retreat. Mm. Well, they had no, there no way back. Now they have the different things that success has brought to them uh, externally, and now they play not to lose. So now they play a little bit more fear, so they become a little more complacent. Maybe they don't have to make those calls anymore. Maybe they don't go knocking on doors and meeting people like they used to. Maybe they just do it by mail and phone it in. Ah, that's the death now for an achiever. So a little bit of that success, it brings a whole lot of complacency. Complacency then is followed by the competition who comes through the door that you once went through. That is a very, very interesting observation. So one of the advantages that folks tuning in today who think they don't really have anything going for them, they're actually not going to be paralyzed by their past success. Absolutely. Fact as I've experienced it. What about other things on that radar screen that we've got to be looking for? We can't, can't be paralyzed by fear, can't be manage our lives by fear, we can't manage it based on, we can't rest on our laurels, if you will, on our past successes. Anything else that we've got to keep in focus? 
I'm going to give you one uh, that I've that I experience daily, and I think it's the what I call the the, the relative standard of assessment. Hmm. I think so many of us use the word that I I'm very careful not to use, and that's judge. That we judge what we're doing, or judge our worth, or judge our position in life by what we perceive to be the position of another, the standard of another. So we look to debase or maybe cut down another and make ourselves look better. And we assess, well, I'm not doing too bad. Look at Joe. You know, he's doing worse than me. So we're on this relative standard of comparison. My way of thinking is this. Let's get out and share with with others. Let's get out and be vulnerable. And by being vulnerable, vulnerable, I mean this. Let's get out and share information. All right, let's not try to hoard it. And let's not, let's try not to be that follow that nature of humans, which is what we are at the core, but obviously. But let's not try to follow them by comparing ourselves to others and maybe assessing our own self-worth or where we are in life by comparing to others. I think that's a huge pitfall just in life. I so appreciate that. And, you know, we've talked about this interface on the show between the spiritual and some of the different spiritual perspectives people bring to the table and this self-actualization or accomplishing all we can be. And many times people want to put those in two different corners. I think you've made an eloquent argument multiple times in the show that spirituality is one of these fundamental pillars, part of the equation if we're going to be successful as individuals. But it's not about us. It's not about focusing on self. It's really about making a difference. And, Bill, uh, I just want to thank you for sharing on today's show uh, that kind of vision. Well, thank you very much. I very much enjoyed you and what you've asked and how you've asked it. It has been very intelligent. And the question on your part, I hope I could just try to at least come close. Thank you. Bill, you did a great job. Before we run, I know there's folks that uh, maybe didn't get that website down. They want to connect with you. They want to have you come out and speak. And they want your book. Tell us the book and then tell us the website. Always forward and the website, and I would love to come out and meet and speak to the people, is Bill Woodich, W-O-O-D-I-T-C-H dot com. Bill Woodich dot com. And you can see some of uh, the work that I've done across the country. You'll believe the passion of the message if you see the messenger. I think people uh, will first, before they ever buy the message, they have to buy the believability of the messenger. And I'll come straight forward and warts and all, just tell you what I really think. Bill, thanks so much for doing that on today's show. That's Bill Woodich. Bill is uh, somebody who's making a huge difference throughout the country and the world. His book, again, Always Forward. His website, Bill Woodich. That's W-O-O-D-I-T-C-H dot com. And with that, it's time to go. For all of us at American Indian Living, I'm Dr. David DeRose, wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.